Well, last Sunday was Easter, and I had a good time, y'all. I had a very good time, even though I was working, you know, a working woman on Easter. But uh, it was wonderful, and we were sharing some things about the atonement and about uh, Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, we said that that weekend was a weekend that rocked the world. Amen. And it's still rocking the world. Amen. Amen. Um, so if you get a chance, you can pick that CD up if you want the whole teaching. But in line with that, we were talking about some things related to the finished work at Calvary. It is a finished work. Calvary summed up everything that God wants to be to us and is to us. The only thing we have to do is partake of it. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about the fact that his passion was our healing. Amen. His passion brought forth our healing. His passion is what causes us to be healed. Now, what does it passion word, the word passion really means to suffer or to allow something to happen to you without stopping it. So Jesus laid down his life for all of humanity. He died for the sins of the world. So many times we'll talk about salvation and we'll get people to understand very easily that if you want to be saved from hell, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Sometimes people who don't even know him personally can recite that for you because that's a very widely known fact. But when we talk about sin, we must also talk about sickness because in that work was provision for all illness, every single illness. There is not an illness that the blood of Jesus and the suffering and the passion of Christ did not pay to take care of. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I was thinking about uh, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and I'm sure most of you had seen it by now. And uh, <clears throat> But the, uh, the man, Mel Gibson, that uh, produced and directed that movie and saw to it that most of it was written correctly, said that the reason he did that movie was that he was so impressed with the fact that Jesus healed him. He said he had problems with alcohol. He had problems with drugs. He was depressed. And he said that I was meditating on the fact that he was beaten for my healing. And he said, as I meditated on that, I was healed. Amen. And so he decided that with whatever he had, whatever means he had, he was going to let the whole world know what what power there is in meditating on the stripes of Jesus. He said he meditated on his stripes, and from that he was healed. And how much more can we, who have a covenant with God, an unbreakable promise from God, that every need that we have is already met according to his glorious riches through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, how much more shall we not be able to partake of that as we meditate on what God has for us as well? So if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 53. We'll begin 
53, verse 3, says he is despised and rejected of men. Despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So there was not one person to speak up for Jesus. There was not one person to come to his aid and his rescue. But it says here in verse 4, surely, surely, surely. That word is very important. Because what that says is there is a covenant involved here. When you see that word surely or you see the word verily. Remember Jesus often would say verily, verily, I say unto you. He's saying, I swear, I swear to you. When a person in, who understands covenant would swear to you, it was more than just what carnal people do. You know, how mafia people, I swear my grandmother's eyeballs, you know, and that kind of stuff. Always <laughs> putting some, putting granny stuff up instead of something they own. You know, I mean, come on, who's going to take <laughs> Who's going to try to collect from granny? Huh? But when Jesus says, verily, verily, or I swear, I swear, he is pledging his own life against what he promises you. In other words, he is saying, before I would not heal you, I would cease to exist myself. And what this word surely says here is that there is a covenant involved in this for you. This is not just something nice to say and it's not just something nice to hear. You know how when we're in the presence of God, we feel better, we feel good, and then you go away and after that lifts, it's gone. But Jesus is saying there's more to this than that. He's saying there's a covenant involved here, an unbreakable, unshakable promise that is sworn in my blood. And before I would not deliver for you, I would cease to exist, take my own life because I've staked my life against this. So that's what covenant really means. It means there is a pledge of a life against whatever promise that there is on the table for you. So when it says here, surely, it's saying in covenant, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, why do we have to say it's in covenant? Well, when Jesus walked the earth, he did the same thing. He took disease off people. He went around, the Bible says, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with them. They said oftentimes he healed so-and-so that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophets that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He did it himself. In other words, he didn't ask a doctor to intervene for him. He didn't ask anybody to intervene for him. Him, him, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
Now you see, it, that must be true. You know, that is so true that the world will pick that stuff up and try to make saviors out of other people. Amen. I was thinking about that movie. Anybody see that movie, The Long Green Mile? Yes. Oh, yeah, no business looking at that movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, ain't it? I shouldn't do that to you. What y'all doing? Look. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I saw it. (laughs) When Jesus would teach, he would ask him, tell him about things that was familiar to him, you know. So, hey, whatever. But uh, that in that movie, they showed the gentleman who supposedly had this healing gift or whatever it was. And he would take sickness off of people and actually take it into his own body. But he would be sick as well. I mean, after a while, that wore out, you know, real quick. But Jesus is the only one. But see, there is a sense in human beings that we can take the sickness and infirmities and problems off of one another. So it's not a stretch of the imagination for us to believe that Jesus, one man, could take the sin and sickness of the world upon himself. So the Bible says, in covenant he bore our sicknesses. In covenant, he carried our sorrows. In covenant, that means in our place. He exchanged places with us because he certainly didn't deserve what was laid on him. The Bible says, you know, for somebody who only went about doing good, he sure got a dirty deal. Huh? The Bible says that he was despised, despised and rejected of men. You know, Christians, we need to understand that that same persecution can come on us when we go about doing good. You know, there are people that you want to love and you want to bless and they just treat you so bad and all that. We get portions of that as well. When you're in covenant with him, you were touched with some of that persecution, the same thing he was touched with. And see, most of us, we could say we deserve at least a little bit of it because we're always messing up, doing wrong. But he'd never done anything wrong. huh? And he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with sorrow and with grief. And it says here, let me find it again. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So the Bible is saying this is a certain thing. This is for sure. There's no doubt about this fact. No doubt whatsoever. He's done it already. And he says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for who? Our transgressions. He was bruised for and not his own, the chastisement of peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So we have evidence here that Jesus was our substitute in everything that sin could bring into our lives. From sickness to weakness, temptation, Everything that would cause our bodies to be damaged, he substituted for us in these things. Many times it's easier to get people to believe that we were saved 
at Calvary than it is to get them to believe we were healed there. But if you think about it, the healing came first. The Bible says he gave his soul a ransom for many. He died in our place so that we would not have to die eternally. But he was wounded before he died. Wasn't he? He was bruised before he died. So he paid for our healing before he paid for our eternal salvation. Hmm? And so in the church, we need to tell the whole story and tell it the right way. Get people saved into what? And from what? That's why oftentimes people don't appreciate salvation in that they understand that there's a work for them to do for God while they're here. They just get a one-time confession. Hmm? How many funerals you go to? Old Tom laying up there, old rascal, never treated nobody right. Confess Christ at an early age. Huh? Oh, y'all don't, no, don't mess with me about this. Y'all tell the truth. Let me get me a drink of water. It's going to be harder than I thought it was going to be. That's all I'm allowed to drink is water, so I'm going to add Huh? It's the truth. They might as well say, confess Christ at an early age, live for the devil for the rest of his life, and we hope he made it in. Huh? And... <laughs> That's <laughs> a tree, y'all. Don't see, Gail, that's why you laughing, darling. You know it's a tree. <laughs> and then when they get sick and we were scared they gonna go, they gonna go get ain't whoever, you know, Ainty. Yeah. Ainty that prays for everybody and everybody treat her wrong and think she crazy. Yeah. When old Tom about to cross on over and we ain't sure he in there, we go get Ainty. That's why we have healing school and miracle service. So you can partake of the covenant and know what belongs to you so that you can live for God every day and you can walk in the promises without fail. Jesus gave us a no-fail covenant. He gave us a no-fail covenant. It will never fail. So he talks about, Isaiah further talks about, all we like sheep have gone astray. We're all guilty. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, they, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Father God did this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Hmm? He took it like a man, as we would say. Huh? He knew his purpose in going to Calvary. He knew that the day that he opened his mouth to defend himself, we would be stuck with some illness, whatever. He opened not his mouth to defend himself so that we could have full access to everything that was he was taking on himself. Even though he was innocent, he opened not his mouth. He took it 
so that you and I could rebuke the devil. He kept his mouth shut so we could talk. Huh? He did. He opened not his mouth so that we could tell the devil that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You take this sickness off my body. Huh? I have a covenant with God that assures me that this is an illegal trespass against my life and against my health because my Lord already took this on his body. He took the actual disease, folks. He didn't take punishment in place of disease. He took punishment and disease. So the devil's not allowed to punish you with any. You know, sometimes people try to get themselves into some kind of condemnation responsibility. Huh? People who have nowadays, everything you do is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? You can't eat this. You can't eat that. They put preservatives in food years ago so that it would, from the, the time they harvested it to the time it got to your plate, Bacteria wouldn't grow and it would make you sick when you ate it. Not he telling you take that out because the preservatives are making you sick. You understand what I'm saying? So this devil floats around all the time making us sick and responsible for sickness. You go to the doctor. Well, uh, are you a smoker? No. Huh? What you want to say. Huh? Well, do you, do you eat red meat? Put the hamburger down, wipe the grease off your mouth. No. Huh? So right now in this age that we live in, there is a push to make people feel condemned and responsible when their health goes bad. So on top of this believer, we have to fight on top of the devil Putting sickness on us because he hates us anyway. That's the only reason any believer's sick because the devil hates you. Huh? So he hates you. Let me put that up front. He hates you. Because the Bible says that we are forgiven. Oh man, you mean to tell me I can't eat pig feet no more? Them things been killing me all these years. I didn't know. Jesus, please forgive me for wiping out all them pig feet, <laughs> having a good time doing it. Huh? But see, we are forgiven of all of our sins. We're forgiven of sins done in ignorance. We're forgiven of willful sins. We're forgiven presumptuous sins. We're forgiven of all sins. So there's no such thing as your, your riotous living made you sick. In God's kingdom, you're forgiven of that. So if the Christian can get out from under condemnation and beating himself up because the world says, now people in the world are guilty. They got to live with what they've got to live with. But you have a covenant with God that provides forgiveness for even the things that you have done wrong that cause your illness. Totally forgiven Everything's totally paid for. You don't have to carry anything in your body anymore because Jesus already carried it away. When the Bible says, surely he has borne 
our griefs. I'm going to read you a little something. I, I, there's a Bible that I have that I like, and I'm going to read a few things from there, here and there. I'm not going to bore you with it. But <clears throat> the, the definition of the word born, B-O-R-N-E, the one they use in Isaiah 53.4. The Hebrew is nasa. It means to lift, to bear, to carry away, and to cast away. So if Jesus lifted your sin, carried it away, and threw it away. I'm going to ask the question after a while. He says, the idea is that of one person taking the burden of another and placing it on himself as carrying an infant. Take it off of you. How many of you moms had babies you had on the hip and the arm got sore and tired and somebody came up and said, maybe he's so cute, let me hold him. You say, yeah. Uh, it's time for him to walk then. You know, if you start him walking, let him start walking. Let him crawl. Uh, he says, or as the flood lifted up the ark, it lightened it, it buoyed it up. He says, if Christ carried our griefs or bore our griefs, sicknesses, then they were taken away in the same sense that sins are taken away. Sickness is taken away in the same sense that sins are taken away. It was all carried away. Huh? Well, Barb, why am I? I'm going to get to that. Huh? This was not only done for people who lived during the few years of Christ's ministry on earth, but it was accomplished for all men of all ages. So there's no such thing as a season of healing. You can be healed at any time. There's no such thing as healing was done away with. They either say it was done away with when Jesus gave up his life. I say, well, he's back alive now. What you going to do with that? Huh? He ain't dead. <laughs> huh? <laughs> He's very much alive. That's why when you mention his name, you get in trouble. Huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. You can talk about Buddha all day long. People let you chant. They let you do yoga and meditate. All kind of public places. They do nothing to stop you from doing that. But when you mention the name of the living God. Everybody's upset. You know why? Because they're scared he's going to answer. <laughs> uh, you call Buddha all day long. He ain't going to answer you. I might just answer and throw my voice and make you be quiet. Huh? Somebody said, Buddha, Buddha, here. I mean, here. <laughs> or whatever. Huh? But he ain't go answer. Huh? But Jesus is a living God. That's why they're scared of him. Because he's alive and they ain't sure what he might do when he shows up. Huh? People who don't know him. Huh? And some so-called saints too, quiet as his kept. Huh? Be that as it may. But he is a living God. So he lives, he carried everything, sickness and everything in death 
And then he raised again from the dead to show us that it had no power over him and we are his body. It has no power over us. What's the problem, Barb? Why are Christians sick? Why am I sick? Why do I get sick? Well, because you believe the lie of the father of lies. Huh? You're not just messing with a liar. I can lie to y'all and you say, but you mess with the father of lies. He's the head honcho professional liar to you. Huh? So he knows how to put lies out there and make them so convincing that they will challenge what you believe about God's word. Everybody. <laughs> oh, well, just I don't think we should we should lift up the devil. No, I'm here to put him down. Trust me. He's already been lifted up enough every time somebody gets sick, every time somebody goes to the doctor. He's lifted up. Hmm? People say things like, uh, well, is it wrong for me to go to the doctor? Hmm? What do you want to do? Hmm? Yeah, when they try to put it on you, put it back on them again. What do you want to do? You want to go there? You want that to be your life? Or do you want to walk in the privileges that God has set forward for you? It might take a little work. You might cry a few tears and get a little frustrated because it ain't happened yet. And you wonder when it's going to happen. But we do that with everything we want from God. Huh? And trust me, I don't stop people from going to the doctor because I know what's going to happen when you get there. He's going to have you sign a paper where you agree that he might not be able to help you and you ain't going to sue him. So you're right, man. You know what I'm saying? I know the whole, and go hand you a bill for it. You ever go to somebody, I mean, they get away with so much stuff. Plumbers can't get away with that. A plumber, you know, you got to fix my pipe or I ain't paying you. Huh? Listen, that doctor is believing God too. Huh? You might get more word from him. <laughs> huh? That symbol, you see the, the symbol that they use, the doctors, the caduceus, the thing. Anybody, does that seem familiar to anybody? Where y'all seen that before? Absolutely. That was what they got that off the Bible. That was the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. When they looked at that, they got healed. So your doctor looking at that every time he look up to see if God is going to help him help you. They got it on everything. The ambulance, they got it on there. Look at that and be healed. Huh? You can, I'm telling you, you can bypass all the middlemen involved in this thing. But he using his faith and trying to encourage you to use yours, but pay that bill. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they, they help you. You know what I'm saying? I take a pill too rather than suffer, but trust me, I'm on the word on it. You know, I get the word on it in a minute. 
All right. So in covenant, he bore these things. So I'm going to take you over to the book of Luke and show that to you. Okay. In Luke 22. Verse 14, when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Now, the 12, number 12 is a number of man's government. So these apostles represent every human being that would hear the gospel from that day forward. Okay. The Bible says the government shall be on his shoulders and on his shoulders are the fivefold. And then they disperse the knowledge of God out to the general population. But the number 12 always symbolizes a complete government, a complete number representing man's government over something. So the disciples are there in our place to partake of the covenant on our behalf. And he says, verse 15, he says, with desire, I've desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer or before my passion. It says, for I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So this suffering that he's going to endure is going to be something that he has to fast for. Now, this is similar to the Passover meal, the first Passover meal that they had when Moses led the children out of Israel. That's what this meal always commemorated. And remember, they were to eat a lamb and partake of that whole thing. None of it was to be wasted. They were to give it to the neighbors, and it was going to sustain them for that journey. Jesus turns it around a little bit, and he serves bread, symbolizing his broken body and he as the bread of life. So that's why in our communion services now, we use bread. And he says, for I say unto you, I will eat no more until it be fulfilled in the kingdom. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body. This bread represents my body which is given for you in exchange for you. So when he breaks the bread and gives it and says, this is my body broken for you, he says, I'm exchanging places with you so that when your body is broken, it can be made whole. Everything that he did is undone in us by faith. Everything that he took on as our substitute, we can refuse by faith. Got to do it by faith, folks. Faith is not some cheap commodity. And it doesn't come easily. It's fought over. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight, says it twice. So you don't misunderstand the preacher. Fight the good fight of faith thereby laying hold of eternal life or the things that pertain to the incorruptible life of Jesus Christ. It's how we receive them is by faith. And it is a fight and it is a struggle. And you will have to resist the enemy. You will have to tell him no. Huh? You just got to get hard down nasty with the devil 
Uh-huh. Nice guys don't finish first in this fight. Huh? You got to bare knuckle that rascal. Because he'd kill you. It's nothing for him to put sickness on a newborn baby. Nothing for him to do that. He's hateful. So you don't have to be nice to him. He's not nice to you. So he says here, my body is broken. He said, this do in remembrance of me. How many of you know people can be healed in communion, at the communion table, if they exercise their faith in the broken body of Jesus? In fact, we've had healing schools where we've served communion. And people have been healed. He said, likewise, also the cup after supper saying this cup is a new testament. It's a new testament in my blood under the old covenant. What would they kill? They would kill a goat or a lamb and they had to do it over and over and over and over again. Every year that covenant had to be renewed because this is a new testament in his blood, and he lives eternally. That blood is still alive. It still speaks. It's still applied. Every time we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. How do we get cleansed? Is with his blood. That blood is still alive today. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't come close to what he did. The Bible says that they would sin every year. They had to make an atonement. Why? Because their conscience would bother them so much from year to year. The Bible says the blood of bulls and goats was never able to purge your conscience from dead works so that you could serve the living God. But the blood of Jesus comes in now to purge our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Well, look at what you did today. When you was out there before you knew Jesus and Saturday, honey, that was hungover day. You didn't do it. seven o'clock. I won't even, I don't get in till six. Huh? It's the truth. You had no mind whatsoever to get up and do anything toward God. So that proves that the blood of Jesus has done something to you. It purged it from dead works so that you can get up and serve the living God. Huh? When I get ready to go do something for God, I get in crazy mode. Nobody can stop me and nothing can hinder me. Huh? Because my conscience now is I'm going towards serving the living God. So your conscience should be able to cooperate with you in getting your body healed. You don't have to stop and have doubt and wonder. Huh? Quit wondering, because whatever you wondering that you did, you did. I tell you, like I tell you, for you and myself. Well, did I pray enough? No, you didn't. Believe God anyway. Huh? Did I fast enough? No, you didn't. Believe God anyway. Did I confess the word? No, because you've been running around telling everybody about your pills and your this and your that. and So you ain't done that, none of that. But believe God anyway. Because surely in covenant he has borne our griefs and carried our sicknesses. The woman with the issue of blood didn't do nothing right that whole day. 
Huh? Legally speaking, she wasn't even supposed to be out the house. And a sneak to the doctor for 12 years. And the rabbi never got wind of it. Huh? And when she ran out of money, huh? That's when she comes to the church. All you pastors say amen. Amen. Huh? <laughs> it's the truth. Isn't that what she said? Mm, I didn't run out of money with them doctors. I guess I go try God. Huh? And he loves us anyway. And he heals us anyway. And he treats us the best anyway. And we come up there boo-hooing and, oh, Lord Jesus, I just love you so much. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Just stand up here and receive the anointing, get your healing, go and run back off again. Huh? Huh? But he loves us anyway. That's what a covenant is. It's unbreakable. It cannot be broken. So for those of us who think we're experts at sin and well, I just don't believe God enough. This is unbreakable. Okay. You can't break this. You can't get out of this. Huh? That's why, you know, people try to backslide. They, like David said, I don't know what David had done before it, but he said, I was glad when they said it's going to the house of the Lord. Man, I'm tired of running out here with these sinners treating me bad and talking about me. They don't want to be, I didn't talk so bad about church people. Huh? Scared of, scared to be around church people and the sinners that treated you all rough. Huh? You get enough how you be glad when they say let's go into the house of the Lord. Let me get out of this hell I done created for myself. Huh? So God loves this is an unbreakable covenant. Huh? Jesus says, God says this. We was talking about this in, in Isaiah to backslidden Israel. They were doing everything, worshiping other gods, had their kids walking through the fire, all that crazy stuff. Hmm? It's coming back, y'all. You know that. That stuff never really goes anywhere. The devil finds some more crazy people to resurrect some of this old crazy stuff. But Israel had been backslidden for years. And he likened them to an unfaithful woman. You know, a woman just likes men for the attention or whatever. And you know what God said? He said, in essence, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, this is the NIV, the new interesting Bible version. <laughs> it was new interesting. Uh, but in essence, God was saying, he says, you like men so much. He said, I'll hiss for you. He said, oh, come here. Isn't that what he says in this word? He says, whatever your heart desires, I can give that to you. You don't have to go anywhere else except to me for anything that you need. You want to be loved on? I love on you. But I'll do it the right way. And I'll bless you and make you feel clean in exchange for it and not dirty. Amen. So God knows how to win his people back. He knows how to keep us with him. Huh? He's not having no identity crisis because your kids want to go and run around in the world. You think he's any less God because people mess up? He's one, he's not insecure about his position in anybody's life. He said, all I do is just let her get tired of running around out there and one day I'll say, hey, come in. I like you. 
Come on back home to the Father. Come on back to the house of God. Amen. He's got what you need. He's always got what you need. Now that one was free. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. So in covenant, he bore our sins and carried our sorrows. So it begins here. His passion begins here at the Last Supper. So he goes now into uh, a time of travail of his soul. So there's a place where the sin for our soul has to be paid for. Soul sin is what drives us to commit sin. Anytime there are burdens on your mind, huh? you get somebody who works your last nerve, huh? and your mind gets so pressured with it, you say, I just might get up and slap me somebody today. I just ain't feeling all anointed and holy and everything. Huh? So the burdens that come upon our souls motivate us and move us to sin. Sometimes your worries. People have worries. They have money worries. Sometimes, you know, people, young people will go out and steal if they have money worries. If they have drug addictions, the burden and pressure on their souls will cause them to steal money from the mother or steal money from anybody. You know, don't lay you, don't lay your purse down around someone. You know, gotta lock my door. I want my son to get in there. But see, that's the burden on a person's soul. So when Jesus begins his passion or his suffering in our place, he begins to take on this soul burden for us. That's why the Bible can so freely say, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. See, he has borne our sorrows. He has borne anything that we don't feel good about. If you are sick in your body, you don't have to be consumed with it. You don't have to let it weigh you down and get all in fear of of a test or something like that. You All you have to do is know that he took on the burden of your soul. Let me see if I can find that for you. When he begins to pray in the garden, Luke 22 still, if I can find that. Verse 39 says, he came out and went as he was often wont to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him. And then when he was at the place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So in this one phrase, people often wonder, well, what what was wrong with Jesus? What would be wrong with you if you had to go die? (laughs) Well, we get all haughty and huffy and say, well, he he must have been having an off day. What kind of on day would you have? But here you see his humanity being changed, exchanged for divinity. See, the human Jesus, if you're willing, let this cup pass form from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, that's really all we need to do in any situation that you are reluctant to have to to try and do. For instance, if you want God to heal your body, 
You say, God, I don't see how it's going to happen. I'm in the word. I'm trusting you. I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm doing everything I can do. I don't see how this is possible, but your will and your word says that by you can exchange your weak humanity for his divinity anytime you have weakness. We need to recognize our weakness and own up to our weakness because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Brother Hagen did that. That's how all the books that he wrote and all the stuff he did, founding Rama, all the people he's taught over the years that come through that school that are doing wonderful things for God. That's how that happened for him. He had a garden experience just like this. Brother Hagen said, I was a Baptist boy. He said, I was sick. He was born. He, uh, you all know the story. He was born. They put him in a shoebox, thought he was dead. The grandma saw that there was some life there. They spread him with an eyedropper. But he had a weak heart all of his life. And he got to be a teenager. He was dying. He was never able to go out and run and play with kids or anything like that. Always weak all his life. And he said, I was a Baptist boy reading my grandmother's Methodist Bible. He said, and God began to show him faith in the word of God. Showed him Mark eleven twenty three, And he read that and read that and read that. And it says, if you believe, you receive when you pray. You all know it. You can have what you say. And he told the Lord one day, he said, God, I believe I receive. And he said, but why am I still sick? Huh? Same thing here. Nevertheless. This is my position. This is what I believe. This is where I am right now. Nevertheless, there's something new that you can tell me that I can, if I get over into your will, then I'll be able to see things the same way you do. I'll be able to receive things the same way you want me to receive them. And so Brother Hagin said, God told him, he said, yeah, you believe as far as you know. There's some things we don't know. Well, figure that. What a revelation. Huh? That's why we have to gather together in his name. That's why we have to weekly, twice weekly. (laughs) You know, people in the book of Acts went to church every day. Huh? And most of us don't want to, you know, I don't think I can make it Wednesday. Oh, it came fast. Huh? Midweek service already. Oh, my goodness. Huh? Why? Because we have yet to understand what faith and building our faith can really do for us. The investment of time, if we would put in the time to give God's word full attention to nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. To yield yourself more over to the will of God. Because the will of God for all of us is divine health and healing. He does not want one feeble person among us. Now, you know, people get upset with this when she makes people feel condemned because they sick. No, condemnation and conviction are two different things. You need to be convicted to move from one place to the next one. You have to have it made up in your mind that you're going to go with this and not stay where you are. That's why we go to church, to let the word change us. It's why we go to meetings to let the anointing work on us and the word work on us and help us. When we go into meetings, we should go into meetings where people are anointed to heal you, 
not just to make you feel better and you can scream and jump and, and then come back down on the same bad leg you jumped up on. It's the truth. Huh? I'm trying to make you so mad at sickness that you make up your mind, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus came out of the zone of comfort and moved over into the zone of suffering. And he needed the Father's help to be able to do it. And so he says, nevertheless, not mine, but yours be done. And after that, there had appeared an angel unto him from heaven to strengthen him. So when you make up your mind to receive what God has for you, he will send you heavenly help in the place of natural help. I'd rather have a big angel any day than to have a little teeny bald head doctor. Huh? Right check, darling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? Any day. And so here Jesus then begins to take on the burden of soul, of his soul. And he begins to talk to the disciples. And he begins to tell them that he is sorrowful. His soul is sorrowful even unto death. So in this, you see that he takes on your burdens. He carries your sorrows. Where is he taking them to? He's taking them to the grave. Jesus was never sick in his life, ever. He let it be laid on him. He never sinned in his life, ever. He let it be laid on him. And he carried it away. Huh? Now people say, well, where did he carry it? Christians always want to ask them, what do you care? Huh? Wait, let me ask you this. When they come and pick up your trash at your house, do you run after the trash man? Where are you taking that? No, you just want the garbage off your property. Huh? We ought to be the same way with sickness. You don't care where he took it. He took it off you. So did you, you know, we always, we always think we'd be an intellectual and smart. Uh, well, I'm gonna ask Jesus a question. Uh, huh? But he took it away. That's what the, the Bible says, away. And that should be good enough for all of us. That means it's no longer on you. Now, why do people get sick? It's because the devil is a liar. And he does things in an illegal fashion. Hmm? When Jesus paid, when you went into covenant with him, a covenant really is God's legal document to you. That whole Bible, 66 books, is a legal document for anybody who picks it up, reads it, and believes it. Which means that there are laws written in there that are not to be violated. In other words, there is a law of the covenant that says the weaker or the lesser is blessed by the greater. So when you go into any situation in weakness, that's why I say don't be ashamed of you, whatever's wrong with you. You can go in in weakness and come out in strength because he has carried these, he has taken, he exchanged places with you so that all sickness is illegal. Everything that's wrong in our lives, all burdens, all worries and cares are illegal. They are trespassers of God's law. 
Now, why do we have them? Because we don't arrest the stinking devil the way we should. We don't operate in faith in the law that the way we're supposed to. Jesus says, I bore that for you. I took that in your place. Then why is it on my body? Because the devil is a liar and he's convinced you that it's okay for you to have that. Even though he knows it's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? The devil knows right from wrong. He knows it's wrong for us to put, for him to put sickness on us. Well, sickness don't all come from the devil. You know, believers have all kinds of little, huh? All sickness, all sickness I know about comes from the devil. I don't know what kind of sickness you're talking about, but everyone I know about comes from him. Huh? Because it's a lie against health. It's a lie against the way God created us. He created us perfect in his image. And whenever sin comes to us, it's a lie. And it manifests as a lie in the form of sickness. Listen, any any place you go to, let me see if I can figure out how I want to say this. Say, for instance, Clydell shot her husband. Before I do the funeral, they come to arrest her for shooting her husband. And they got all the, you know, the forensics. I love them forensic shows. You know, they come in and dust everything down. And and they think they got a good case, but she gets acquitted. Hmm? They tried her for murder. huh? So then later on, they find out we didn't have the right evidence because we didn't look in the right places. And they go and find all this stuff. Huh? You know they can't try her for murder twice? In other words, devil, get your best evidence, take your best shot one time. And he did that with Jesus. He took his best evidence you. He did put shot his best shot against you one time. For him to put it on us is double jeopardy. It's not allowed by law. This is a legal document. This is a legal document. And it cannot be violated. Huh? O.J. Simpson, huh? the trial of the century, all on TV and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't got all these lawyers lined up here and all this stuff. And people said he was guilty. I've never seen a more pronounced guilty person in my life. He's on television for them to say everybody's, he's guilty. We ain't going to see this on TV. Watch. We got, we got him. Uh, they brought all the evidence out there and got all these different people. Yeah, I was reading, uh, Johnny Cochran wrote some notes about the trial. And he said, we had people praying. His mother's Pentecostal. You got to have your stuff together to get cross a sister that plead the blood on you. And... <laughs> <laughs> she was ready, huh? <laughs> Them kind of women, and they don't eat for days. I mean, man, that's something to get over. And he said we had several miracles of evidence during that trial. Remember the the N word business they had. This lady who had the tape with a suspected policeman on there, who was supposedly trumped up all this evidence. 
She said, I don't know why I kept that tape. I never keep them. Tape's four years old. So F. Lee Bailey asked him, have you ever said the N-word anywhere? I'm glad they didn't ask me. (laughs) I repent. (laughs) I mean, who hasn't? Come on, let's get real here. (laughs) So (laughs) he says no, and they click on the tape. There he is. Just go. Discredited. So at the end of the whole trial, they got all this drama. Everybody's, all the prosecutors want the cameras up front, huh? The bloody gloves. Hmm? So he puts them on, on national television, satellite television. And if you can stab two people with your hands gnarled up like that, huh? Everybody could see the gloves didn't fit. See, there's such anti-OJ sentiment out there that it's hard for us to applaud somebody getting off when evidence is trumped up against them. I was rooting for the brother myself. You know, I wasn't going to pray against his mother. Are you kidding me? I said, I'm going to get an agreement with Ma. Maybe some of what she knows in God is going to rub off on me. I'm going to get with the woman who's in there with God. Do you understand me? Huh? But you know, you pray for truth to prevail. You don't take sides. You want God's side. You pray for truth to prevail. Huh? And every lie to be uncovered. And we want to know who really did this. He was acquitted, but yet people still call him guilty. That's what's us, honey. We've been acquitted in the highest court in the land, the court of heaven. God has decided that nothing can be placed upon our bodies because his son took it all for us. Every single piece, every single thing. So it's double jeopardy. Your, your illness is a case of double jeopardy. The devil is a liar and he will try and convince you that it's okay to be sick. Huh? I don't care if you don't know anything about the word. Don't ever tell, don't ever agree with him. Well, it's just a little something. It don't bother me much. Well, it bothers me. I'm going to get it as soon as I can in Jesus' name. Huh? It don't bother you. It bothers the preacher. Honey, I hate to see people, lovely people in God, saints who love God debilitated and not being able to walk straight. That's why I do these meetings. That's why I risk upsetting people <laughs> huh? that want to stay in a mindset that says it's okay, it's not that bad. huh? It's that bad. I don't want the devil to have anything of mine. I don't want him to have any place in my life. Huh? I'd, I'd save a toenail clipping if I thought he was trying to get it. Give me my toenail back, devil. You ain't getting nothing of mine. Huh? Can't have nothing. Huh? Navel, lint, nose, hair, you can't have none of it. I don't care. You ain't getting it. In Jesus' name. I'm going to try to take some from me. Huh? So because we have a covenant, surely that is a, a legal term surely the gavel has come down you are released from sickness period in the name of jesus you're released from pain 
You're released from sorrow. You're released from worry. You're released from fear. Anything that bugs you even a little bit, Jesus took care of it for you. So why don't you stand on your feet? We're going to play some music and we're going to pray for you. Anybody that came here with sickness in your body, them symptoms are lying to you. We're going to make them go today in Jesus' name. Because surely he has borne our griefs. Truly, truly, we have a covenant on that. We have his word and his life pledged against it. That he takes all sickness.